It's rather odd. He's unavoidably detained. He asks me in this note to lead off with dinner at seven if he's not back. Says he'll explain when he comes. It seems a pity to let the dinner spoil, said the editor of a well-known daily paper. And thereupon the doctor rang the bell. The psychologist was the only person besides the doctor and myself who had attended the previous dinner. The other men were Blank, the editor, aforementioned, a certain journalist, and another, a quiet, shy man with a beard, whom I didn't know and who, as far as my observation went, never opened his mouth all the evening. There was some speculation at the dinner-table about the time-traveller's absence, and I suggested time-travelling, in a half-jocular spirit. The editor wanted that explained to him, and the psychologist volunteered a wooden account of the ingenious paradox and trick we had witnessed that day week. He was in the midst of his exposition when the door from the corridor opened slowly and without noise. I was facing the door and saw it first. Hello, I said, at last. And the door opened wider, and the time-traveller stood before us. I gave a cry of surprise. Good heavens, man, what's the matter? cried the medical man, who saw him next. And the whole tableful turned towards the door. He was in an amazing plight. His coat was dusty and dirty and smeared with green down the sleeves, his hair disordered, and, as it seemed to me, greyer, either with dust and dirt, or because its colour had actually faded. His face was ghastly pale, his chin had a brown cut on it, a cut half-healed. His expression was haggard and drawn, as by intense suffering. For a moment he hesitated in the doorway, as if he had been dazzled by the light. Then he came into the room. He walked with just such a limp as I have seen in footsore tramps. We stared at him in silence, expecting him to speak. He said not a word, but came painfully to the table, and made a motion towards the wine. The editor filled a glass of champagne and pushed it towards him. He drained it, and it seemed to do him good. For he looked round the table, and the ghost of his old smile flickered across his face. What on earth have you been up to, man? said the doctor. The time-traveller did not seem to hear. Don't let me disturb you, he said, with a certain faltering articulation. I'm all right. He stopped, held out his glass for more, and took it off at a draught. That's good, he said. His eyes grew brighter, and a faint colour came into his cheeks. His glance flickered over our faces with a certain dull approval, and then went round the warm and comfortable room. Then he spoke again, still, as it were, feeling his way among his words. I'm going to wash and dress, and then I'll come down and explain things. Save me some of that mutton. I'm starving for a bit of meat. He looked across at the editor, who was a rare visitor, and hoped he was all right. The editor began a question. Tell you presently said the time-traveller. I'm funny. Be all right in a minute. He put down his glass and walked towards the staircase door. Again I remarked his lameness and the soft padding sound of his footfall, and standing up in my place I saw his feet as he went out. He had nothing on them but a pair of tattered, blood-stained socks. Then the door closed upon him. I had half a mind to follow, 
till I remembered how he detested any fuss about himself. For a minute, perhaps, my mind was wool-gathering. Then, "'Remarkable behaviour of an eminent scientist,' I heard the editor say, thinking, after his wont, in headlines, and this brought my attention back to the bright dinner-table. "'What's the game?' said the journalist. "'Has he been doing the amateur cadger? I don't follow.' I met the eye of the psychologist and read my own interpretation in his face. I thought of the time-traveller limping painfully upstairs. I don't think anyone else had noticed his lameness. The first to recover completely from this surprise was the medical man, who rang the bell. The time-traveller hated to have servants waiting at dinner for a hot plate. At that the editor turned to his knife and fork with a grunt, and the silent man followed suit. The dinner was resumed. 